0: This is episode 22 of With Heart and Wonder and today's episode features the incredible Cassandra Reinhardt. Not only does Cassandra have one of the top five yoga YouTube channels in the whole world, but she is also a published author, a teacher trainer, and so much more. What I really love about Cassandra is how much she focuses on mindset in her personal and professional development. In today's chat, we talk all about the role of discomfort, holding space for ourselves, and how to use affirmations to recognize the wounds that need healing in our lives. Let's dive in. So welcome, Cassandra. I am truly so excited that you are here today, and I'm so excited for us to to chat a little bit about mindset and how we can support ourselves as we are growing and challenging ourselves and reaching towards new horizons and i just can't think of a more perfect person to have this conversation with so i'm i'm really 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 happy that you are here today and i'd love for you to start by telling us a little bit about you and your story
1: thank you so much for having me i'm really excited for this discussion um i my story where to begin so I've been a yoga teacher. I graduated in 2012, I believe, by taking a teacher training here in Ottawa. And I was first introduced to yoga about 12 years ago or so. I was 18 or 19 when I took my first yoga class. And I liked it, but I didn't fall in love with it right away. It really took me... um, exploring different styles of yoga trying out different teachers before it felt like it really clicked for me and i understood like why this practice was so powerful and you know what the hype around it really was and once that connection was made i really fell deeply in love with it and I think the reason why it connected was I found a teacher who was able to show me how yoga was more than just a physical practice. And this isn't to say that the other teachers weren't talking about it. It's just... You can say things a million ways, but, you know, it takes that one person to convey it the way that it lands for you for it to make an impact. So once, you know, it was Louise Cameron and once she really was able to sort of get through to me and really show me how yoga can be a tool for emotional healing, for personal growth, for transformation, for shadow work. So that was all very relevant to me, especially because at the time I was studying in school to become a social worker. I then went on to do psychology and linguistics. So these themes of you know psychology, personal growth, personal development were all really relevant to me. And I had never connected the dots between that kind of work that you would do in therapy with what you would do on a yoga mat. So I got really into it and then decided to go ahead and enroll in my first 200-hour teacher training, I was super eager and naive and thought, you know, I can't wait to teach and get all these great studio jobs and teach at all the best spots and have all the best time slots and my classes are going to be packed. I had like, I don't know, I think that's just like the advantage of being young and new to something is you let yourself dream and imagine big things without really... Um, understanding the reality of it. And the reality of it was that, of course, I graduated and no one would hire me because I had no experience. So that was a very um, sobering process and also a very frustrating one. So I kind of just had this idea that maybe I should start a YouTube channel and start teaching online. It could be fun to film some yoga classes and put them up there. And my only intention really behind that, like, I guess it was like two different intentions. One was I was a fan of YouTube and grew up watching YouTube videos and always thought it'd be so cool to be a YouTuber, but I never knew what kind of channel I would have. So I never created one. And then the other approach I thought, oh, well, maybe if i start posting videos online that will help build up my resume and my credibility so then i'll be able to start teaching at all the spots that i want to teach so i really had no idea what i was getting into i had no big vision of like becoming a big youtuber and having an online yoga company like i didn't even know those things were a possibility i really just my vision was so narrow my my idea of what i thought it meant to be a successful yoga teacher, that definition was so small that I had never even considered the online venture. But thankfully, I stumbled into it, and now I am primarily an online yoga teacher. And I have, like the, I'm in like the top five of the biggest yoga YouTube channels out there, which is insane. Um, and it's I've been doing it for about six years or so now
0: which is wild and and you not only are you know one of the top five yoga youtube channel- channels in the world but you also have written a book on yin yoga you have online courses you've had online communities and really have built this incredible successful business and i love that um, we, we actually so you and I um, have, have kind of known each other before and we've worked together I was lucky enough to be a, a guest teacher for your app and yes. I was so excited though because back in earlier this spring we had the opportunity to share in in um, Uh, day for for, uh, yoga teachers and entrepreneurs, and a lot of it was about mindset, and and you shared a lot of your story at that day as as a guest speaker, and it was really cool for me because even though we've crossed paths before, there was so much about you and your story that I didn't know, and it was this opportunity for me to realize all of these assumptions that I actually had about you and your success, (laughs) you know, and I'm sure you get these all the time probably. But like, I definitely had had assumptions of like, you know, sometimes you, you look at people and you're like, oh yeah, like, um, you know. Uh, well, Cassandra got started in 2014 and it was like the right time to become like a yoga oh, YouTube yeah. star or like Cassandra <laughs> like just has that type of personality or, you know, like was lucky or like there's these kinds of, of things that kind of um, that might come to the surface, which isn't to say that like, of course, I didn't have immense respect for you, but I it was really a beautiful uh, a reminder of the fact that we all kind of are always having these assumptions, especially when other people are successful about what it has meant for them to get there. And we often don't see all of the the work behind the scenes, but also everything that actually is happening in someone's mind. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about this journey of of kind of, um, you know, you mentioned started your YouTube channel six years ago. And Mm. I know that it was not successful right out of the gate in the sense of, you know, having thousands of followers right at the beginning, but it's something that built slowly. And I know that you you shared in in your talk earlier this spring, you know, even just buying the right camera took you a few months to figure out because there was a certain level of of. Um, of apprehension or fear or anxiety. I'm not sure what the word is you would use around that. But let's talk a little bit about this kind of this this myth that sometimes we see successes just falling into place. And and can you walk us through a little bit more about what it has been like to what it has looked like <laughs> behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, it, it's a hard question because what it's looked like has changed so much over the years but one saying that i always that's always stuck with me is that overnight success takes 10 years yeah (laughs) you know and and i find that to be very true for me in my case Um, I think the word that I would use to define is overwhelm. Um, I felt overwhelmed by every single thing that I had to do. And I still to this day am constantly fighting a feeling of overwhelm and constantly battling within myself this internal belief that I am not smart enough to figure things out myself and I need someone to step in and do it for me, like constantly trapped in this Um, victim archetype and waiting for this white knight archetype to come in and save me from myself because I'm, you know, incapable of doing hard things or incapable of learning a new skill, incapable of choosing the right camera, of learning how to edit a video, of understanding online marketing, of selling a course, of writing a book. I mean, you name it, like every single thing I've done, not once have I looked at something and said, oh, I could do that. No problem. This feels I'm going to do that me. and I'm going to crush it. Yeah. Yes. Nothing has felt easy. Actually, I'll I'll take that back. One thing that has felt easy from day 1, which is like I do think there's such a thing as like your your zone of genius, like falling into a kind of work that really utilizes your skills and for me that's being in front of the camera that has always felt easy for me that was a natural fit so that's one thing that I can say I felt good I felt good teaching in front of the camera like sure I had to learn a little bit you know how to adjust my uh my speech and my verbal cues but that came easy everything else no not easy at all and the biggest myth I think of success, um, of anyone, anyone that you can point to and say that person is successful. That person has done something really great. They've built something good. You know, they've made a name for themselves. I think the biggest myth is that they know what they're doing. And I am now so confident in saying that no one knows what they're doing. (laughs) I can personally say that I still don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I know what I'm doing there are some things that I've like, I've now cracked the code on it. You know, like I know how to make a YouTube video now. Like that that part's fine. Like I figured it out, I'm six years in. So that one, sure, I know what I'm doing. But when it comes to taking the next step forward, I never know what that next step is going to be. No one ever really knows. We're all just figuring out as we go. And that's this huge myth you know, like the more I've been able to grow and kind of, I don't know, make a name for myself or whatever and have more visibility, the more I've had yoga teachers from all around the world contact me and say, hey, I want to do what you do. How can I do that? And it's very clear to me that they're looking for a roadmap. They're looking for a step-by-step process and it doesn't really exist. You kind of just have to start and do the next best and figure it out as you go, the path that I took, it's going to be absolutely impossible for someone to replicate it because it was not linear. It was a crazy tornado. (laughs) Like It's not possible to replicate it. So I think that's the biggest myth that holds people back is that they're not able to see what the next 10 steps are going to be to accomplish some kind of vision or some kind of goal so they never start it. But the truth and the reality of any kind of vision or goal, or at least for me and my perspective, is that I never know what the 10 steps are going to be, but I know what the first step is. And that first step is scary. It's overwhelming. I feel like I'm incapable of doing it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever like i'm not you know res- resourceful enough i don't have enough time i don't have enough money i don't have enough network like any excuse that you can think of i'm going to throw that excuse at that first step but at the end of the day i have enough grit to like roll up my sleeves and say okay well you know pick yourself up from off the floor stop start stop crying and just start you know get on this google machine and google it figure it out and start taking action and then once you take that first step you're able to see like, okay, I did that one. Now here's what the next step is going to be. So you're kind of like, it's almost like a build your own adventure as you go versus I'm able to see the mountain very clearly and I start to go up it and I know exactly what's going to come step by step. That just doesn't work for me. I never really know what the future holds. I never make a five-year plan. I barely make a one-year plan um, because I genuinely just don't know I just can't see that far ahead and maybe that's a deficiency on my part. Um, maybe other people have the gift of seeing things very far out, but I find that to be very overwhelming. and I find that the more, the more I try to like, Get myself to come up with a five-year plan the more confined and constricted and uncreative I feel you know I got into this because I didn't want to have like a regular nine-to-five job I didn't want predictability so the minute I start to have to get really concrete with plans I start to feel like I'm back into that nine-to-five world where you know everything is predetermined and destined for me I kind of like not knowing where this is going to go um I like it. I kind of thrive on that. So it's not for everyone, but that's just kind of the way it's worked for me. And you know, it's worked well so far. So at this point, six years in, I just trust that I'm gonna figure out what my next step is. So far, I've always figured out what the next step is. So why would that why would that change? You know? So there's a bit of trust (laughs) that has to go into it.
0: Yeah, and that's such a a beautiful, powerful reminder. I think oftentimes whoever and we are and and whatever it is that we do in life we sometimes forget to celebrate the fact that we have known our own way and we have made good choices along the way Um, and when we've made bad choices we've we've figured out a way to to remedy it and that knowledge that you you bring and that you just shared you know of of looking back and and saying yes like I haven't known where I'm going but I've made I've I've leaned into that next right step along the way is is such a powerful takeaway for people I think I am um, I I know that you talked about this feeling of overwhelm and I think a lot of people can relate to that. And whether it is in a new creative endeavor, whether it's yoga teachers, entrepreneurs, or, or whether we're feeling overwhelmed and an office job or or maybe it's looking for a new job or even making a shift in our own life whether it's starting dating again or selling our house or decluttering our house there's a lot of or even with everything that's happening right now like even if it is starting to continue the journey of unlearning and and engaging in anti-racist practices, like things Mm -hmm. can feel overwhelming. And I know that part of your success um, has really been attributed to developing your own inner resources and your own ways of supporting yourself through those feelings of overwhelm. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, you know, keeping in mind, like you said, that that the overwhelm hasn't gone away. It's just the things that cause the overwhelm have changed as, as your business and your life has changed. But I do wonder if, if perhaps you can share that maybe you feel like you've come to a place where you're able to engage in that feeling of overwhelm, perhaps more skillfully?
1: Yes. I think for me, what helped the most with feelings of overwhelm and what continues to help me now whenever I feel overwhelmed is the remembrance that it's really a matter of perspective. And more often than not, I'm the source of my own overwhelm. I'm kind of burning it on myself. It's very rare that the overwhelm is coming from external sources and being imposed on me. More often than not, I get overwhelmed by my own expectations of myself. So having a sense of being able to step back and see things from a greater perspective allows me to just moderate the intensity around my overwhelm. So allows me to really see what is my responsibility, what is not my responsibility, and also allows me to really moderate what the urgency is. I'm really bad when it comes to urgency. I think my greatest gift. And my biggest skill is that I'm a very fast, I'm a very fast person. (laughs) Like it's a bit of like, it comes from ADD. Like I just, I complete tasks very quickly and I just get things done very quickly. So that's great. Right? Like that sounds like it would be only an asset, only something good, but as with everything, the light has a dark. There is like a shadow counterpart to that, which means that I am very impatient with myself and I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself to get things done quickly and to resolve things. So even when we're thinking, you know, about the overwhelm about this movement of Black Lives Matter and trying to um, dismantle the racism within myself. the The quick part of me wants to get it done now. Like I want to get to the solution right now. Yes. Sitting in the discomfort is very difficult. So I have all this pressure on myself to um, change how Yoga with Cassandra operates. To you know, sign up for all the trainings, and I did all that. You know, like I acted so quickly, but I acted without sitting with the discomfort. So there's always this balance within me that says, okay, like it's wonderful that I have the energy, the desire and the motivation to act and to bring about change and to tackle problems that I face. But I also need to be able to sit with the discomfort and to let go of this crazy expectation I have where I think I'm going to fix everything and get everything done right away and do things perfectly and, you know, find a solution in the blink of an eye because that just never happens. And in the end, it's pretty much always me that puts this uh, puts this pressure on myself to get things done perfectly and get them done right away and to... Um, I don't know, just to like push through. So it's good and it's bad. And with time, I am better now at recognizing when my anxiety is flaring up and when I am reacting versus grounding myself and taking action. Like those two things are very different. I don't want to simply react based on like the initial triggered feeling. I want to be able to sit with it, assess the situation, breathe and actually use my resources to create a plan of action, which I can then pour my entire energy and motivation towards, but coming from it from a much much more mindful and grounded perspective. This
0: uh, distinction that you're drawing, it really makes me think of uh, the distinction that is is sometimes talked about between um, reacting and responding, yes. and the idea, you know, of of reacting being like you say more from that um, impulsive and sometimes more from the emotional brain, um, as opposed to responding where we take the time to like you say ground down and and have that larger perspective that you spoke to before, where we're able to be really intentional about about how we move forward. And- And I think that is is something that so many of us are are actively working with. Uh, But certainly, and I'm I'm sure it's been the case for you. I know in my life, um, yoga and mindfulness and my own breathing and meditative and spiritual practices have definitely really helped me learn to notice that difference in myself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think
1: it comes down to your ability to hold space not only for others but also for yourself so for me i learned the skill of holding space for others much sooner than i learned the skill of holding space for myself and my own emotions so that was something i was able to cultivate it helped that i studied social work that i studied psychology whatever but even in the context of like a yoga a classroom as yoga teachers we have the duty of creating the container for the space and for the people who show up and holding that space with high integrity which means that if someone does have an emotional release during a yoga class i like like i love the terminology i don't want to react i want to respond and if i'm going to respond i need to be able to ground myself and to hold space so the reactive part of me is saying, oh my gosh, my I am being triggered right now. My ego is flaring up. I think there's a problem and I think it's my responsibility to go fix it. I want to make this discomfort go away as quickly as possible. But really what we need to do is to learn to cultivate and hold space by saying, something is happening. How can I better serve the collective right now with my energy? What is truly needed in this moment? Do I even need to respond, right? Like these are things that we learned as yoga teachers. And it felt at some point, it felt easy for me to do that in the context of, um, holding space for others. But then when it came time to hold space for my own difficult emotional releases and my own, um, anxiety and my own difficult feelings, It was really hard and it's still something that is much harder for me to sit in my own discomfort i can sit in someone else's discomfort and understand that it's not my place to fix it to alleviate it or to really do anything about it but when it comes to my own i'm constantly you know having to remind myself relax breathe this is okay everything passes there's nothing for you to do here there's no problem for you to fix here for some reason turning that in on myself is much harder much harder and i think
0: it is for a lot of people i feel like that is is so relatable that in many ways and I, i'd have to you know think about it and and break it down like sociologically and culturally but I feel like a lot of us are are a lot more comfortable like you say holding space for for others whether it is in that setting of of being a facilitator or a teacher in spaces of yoga or other spaces or even if it's just you know people feeling more comfortable to um, hold the pain, or hold the sorrow, or the grief of family yeah. member and friends, rather than their own, and I think it is um, is such an important skill, as you speak to, of of learning how to hold space and to sit with that discomfort. So I really thank you for for sharing that, because I think there's so much in in that that. Um, that we can learn from and and sit with, I uh, I wanted to talk a little bit and bring things back because you you spoke and I don't think you actually used this word, but the word that came up for me as you were sharing a little bit um, about your story um, and this idea of of um, like taking steps as well as. When we're overwhelmed, just kind of moving through it and and taking action. Um, one of the words that came up was the the fact that so many of us can got get caught up in those more like perfectionist tendencies, um, and this idea that I know you really embrace around like having a willingness to um, produce and to create things, even when they fall short of our vision. Oh my god! Yeah. And I think that can be really hard for people um and again like whether it is um in like a yoga or an entrepreneur setting or even if it's just like um if if you're someone who works at an office job and and it's it's handing over a report that doesn't feel complete to you or if you're a student and you're you know handing in an essay that doesn't feel complete like like this willingness to produce things that fall short of our vision I think is so hard for us and I think I'm going to take it a step further than that and say I think it's really hard not just to like produce those things but to actually still celebrate the accomplishment has can you talk a
1: little bit more about absolutely I mean that's probably my personal mantra is done is better than perfect <laughs> because I, I mean, I wouldn't have anything today. I would have absolutely nothing. Nothing I have ever created is perfect. I can't look at a single video I've ever made. I can't look at my book. I can't look at my online teacher training. I can't look on my app. There is not one thing I can point to that I've created and say that is perfect. This is a 10 out of 10. This is my best work. I can't do that. I can't do that. My, I don't know, my standards are too high. Like for me, that is just, I think another myth. Um, I don't think anything can ever be perfect. Always. I live in the zone of good enough, (laughs) good enough and keep going because that's the thing, right? If, Um, my, my husband is a a perfectionist, so I'm not, again, it comes back to that, like ADD, super fast, super productive part of my personality that just, I need to put things out to move on to the next thing. Whereas my husband will stay in one task for a very, 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 very long time because he is a true perfectionist. And, it is true that his end result will be better than mine it will be as close to perfection as perfection can get but will it ever get made i don't know <laughs> you know whereas for me like i can guarantee that many things will get made because i've gotten used to the fact that there's, I'm always going to be able to point to something and say, oh, if only I had done this a little bit better, you know, oh, if only the lighting had been better here. If only I had used that word instead of this one, if only I had thought of including that worksheet or whatever, you know, I'm always going to have things that I can point to and say, this was not perfect. You're not good enough. You didn't do a good enough job. But on the flip side, I'm also now able to point to all the things that I've done and say, Look how well you've done. Look how much you've created. Look how you know, look what look what I've built that I never would have thought I would have been able to build. But I've only been able to build it because I allowed myself to be uncomfortable with what it is that I create and what it is that I produce. And you know, you get better as time goes on. Like you really do need to produce things that are kind of subpar in order to eventually get to the Point where you produce things that you are really happy with. So even though I say, you know, I can point to all these things and nothing I've created is perfect, I'm still super freaking proud of pretty much everything that I put out there. And I can still, you know, especially like the newer recent stuff, I've been doing this for long enough now that, yeah, the, you know, videos I put out in year one and two, not not that great, not that great quality, you know? Could it have been better? Absolutely. But I had to fail and I had to do things in a not so great way in order to learn the skills to actually create things that are now really wonderful that I'm really, truly proud of. It's like, I always think of artists, you know, I like to draw, I like to paint. I like to do these kinds of things. And every time I have like a vision in my head of what it is that I want to create, I see it so beautifully in my head. I mean, it's stunning and I can't wait to do it. And as soon as I start to, you know, like actually put pen to paper and I actually start to draw, it is nowhere near what I had in mind. Like it's not even close um and that's frustrating right and a lot of people will get discouraged at that point you have an idea in your head you start to create it it doesn't look anything like your idea and that's that's really the point where you'll be able to tell the people who'll make it and the people who won't you know the people who will make their dreams happen or who will reach their goals is those people who are able to say Wow, that really felt short, fell short of my vision. I did not create as good of a product as I thought I was going to create. Or, you know, this piece of art is not what I had in mind. But, you know what? I'm going to put it out there and my next one is going to be better than the first one, and the one after that is going to be even better. And as I continue to hone my skills and to put myself out there, I will grow and I'll get out of my comfort zone, right? Because that's often I think we hide behind perfection a lot it's really comfortable to say oh it's because it's not perfect but really it's just because you're comfortable not putting things out there you know and and not taking those risks it's nice to say well when it's perfect i'll release it but when will that time actually come right so i've only gotten better at what i do because I allowed myself to suck and I allowed myself to suck in public, you know, to produce stuff that's not that great and photos aren't really good and video isn't that great and no one knows who I am and maybe I'm getting negative reviews or whatever, but I'm learning from it and I didn't stop because of it. And now I'm really proud of the work that I do. So it's, it's tough. Like perfection is tough, but it's one of those things that if you're not willing to allow yourself to be flawed, it's going to be really hard to step out of your comfort zone. It's going to be really, really challenging.
0: Absolutely. I um, I, was, I was thinking uh, about my own journey, even just with this this podcast of like, and I so relate, you know, like, and, and it's still relatively new, but you know, the first few episodes, the quality of the sound and the editing and like all of those things, like even, even in, in the, you know, 20 some episodes that we've produced, like I can see the improvement, even though I know it's not perfect yet, I can still see that it's improving and that I'm growing and that the podcast is growing. And I really love, you shining a light on that that like you don't look at you you know in your words there isn't anything that you look back on and see that it's perfect but you can still celebrate and see how far you've come and find and find a sense of celebration and be proud of that i think that is is so helpful i i want to talk because i think you do something that to me and i think for a lot of people (laughs) Um, would find it really brave in the sense of um, being on YouTube. (laughs) And I know that it has been a place that you have been able to flourish and that it's definitely taken hard work and time to to get to where you are Um, but one of the reasons I think that YouTube scares so much of us is that dreaded little comment section (laughs) and um, I know that as as anyone is in a space where they're kind of growing their audience and their following and just the number of, of people that you interact with then criticism also grows I was wondering if you have developed or 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 have any insight into into the ways that you found to deal with criticism as it comes up? Because I think we talked about how perfection can be one of those obstacles to getting started. I think another one for a lot of us is fear of criticism.
1: That to me was the biggest one and still is the biggest one, like way more than perfectionism. Perfectionism, I feel like I was able to kind of get out of my own way and just be like, no, no, like you'll get better. Trust the process. Keep going. Whereas fear of criticism, that's the main thing that will hold me back, that gives me anxiety, that terrifies me at nights. Um, I would love to say that I'm over it, <laughs> and that i figured it out and cracked the code and I have super thick skin now and nothing can pierce through my armor, but like, no, I'm not like that. And it's still something that I, I have better tools now and I'm able to kind of like talk myself out off the ledge, um, of catastrophizing, you know, a negative review or someone who wants a refund or someone who leaves a nasty comment, you know, with perfectionism, The longer you do something, the better you become, the better the outcome, the easier things get, the more your skills are refined. It's like it's almost linear in the sense that things get better the longer you do it. But when it comes to criticism, it's almost like the opposite because the more successful you become, the more criticism you're going to attract. So (laughs) you're really, you know, your visibility. Yes, it's wonderful to have a wider audience. Yes, it's wonderful to serve a larger population, to be of service, to um, be recognizable. Like it's lovely, it's really wonderful and it's a tremendous gift. But like with everything, the light has a shadow and the shadow part of it is that I now have haters, (laughs) you know, like I now have people who don't (laughs) like me and who are very vocal about the fact that they don't like me. And I'm now a bigger target because of that visibility. So it's, it's not easy. Um, What I will say though, is that again, I'm my own worst enemy Criticism only really hurts if you believe that criticism to be true as well. I am for sure my toughest critic and my biggest enemy. You know, when I first started my YouTube channel, I didn't tell anyone for weeks. I was putting out videos, maybe months even. I was putting out content and I didn't tell anyone because I was already projecting the negative feedback I would get. I was already imagining, you know, senior teachers that I looked up to. Uh, making snide remarks and telling me who do you think you are to do this? Like I was already imagining bad things happening. I was imagining backlash. I was imagining... You know, worst case scenarios. And that's still a pattern that I have to consciously pull myself out of because, first of all, it's incredibly narcissistic. Um, no one thinks about you as much as you think about yourself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no one actually cares what I'm doing that much. You know, <laughs> like, I, of course, there are people who, you know, say mean things about me, but it's such a tiny, tiny, tiny little small percentage it is nowhere near as loud as it is inside my own head so it it's that play on perspective again you know how much backlash are you really getting how much criticism are you really going to get but i have had really big pivotal growth moments where i've been confronted with you know, this is an interesting time. Like now we're in COVID, right? So all these yoga teachers around the world have had to take their offerings online for the first time. So all of a sudden now in 2020, it is now socially acceptable to have online yoga teacher trainings. Well, I've been doing online programs for years now, and I've gotten a lot of shit because of it from those same senior teachers who are now doing it. Now it's fine, right? But it wasn't fine three years ago when I was doing it. When I was doing it three years ago, I was a sellout and I was you know, bringing shame onto the world of yoga and all these things, right? And I have had teachers come at me in that way. And that was really, really, really difficult. And I had to Reach out to other people in my position to get support and to get perspective because my foundation wasn't strong enough yet. My sense of self and my self esteem, I guess, and my commitment to what I was doing was not yet strong enough. I needed other people. So I reached out to other people and said, Am I doing a bad thing? Are they they right? You know, because again, like criticism is only going to feel terrible if you secretly believe this to be true about yourself. So deep down I was very insecure about what I was doing. Deep down I was also worried that I was being fraudulent, that I was being a sellout, that I was being inauthentic, that I was not good enough, that I was an impostor, all these things, right? Like I had to I had to really go in words and check in and say is this true for me? And I'm thankful now for those hard conversations and those criticisms because it forced me to look at those insecurities that I was before able to just sweep under the rug and not acknowledge. Now I really had to do the deep shadow work and say, is this true about myself? You know, how, what is my intention? What is my integrity? What are my values? You know, what, what, drives me to do the things that I want to do. And I was able to very clearly say, these people are crazy. First of all, I'm doing an amazing thing. I love my work. I believe in what I do. I'm acting out of service. I believe in my mission. I believe in my vision of making yoga accessible, of providing free online yoga classes to people all around the world who do not have access to these healing practices. So criticism is an amazing opportunity for growth. If the criticism hurts, that's a really good sign that there's a wound there. There's a shadow there that needs to be tended to. It needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be healed. Just just know, like I really don't want to sugarcoat it for people. Like, No matter what you do, it doesn't have to be about going online and being visible on YouTube, but literally anything that you attempt to do that is not Uh, that deviates from the norm and that deviates from what's expected of you, you're going to encounter some resistance along the way. It's going to ruffle some feathers. Maybe people are going to have some snide remarks. And you're going to have to fill up your own resources internally to weather that storm and to come out stronger. So I don't have it all figured out, but now I've done it long enough that I'm able to recognize when this is what's happening. So if I do encounter criticism or whatever, I'm able to say, okay, I've been here before. I know I'm not going to die. It feels like I'm going to die. It feels like my world is about to end, but I know that I won't. And I know that this is only serving me. This is for my greater good. This is the only way I'm actually able to level up and to grow in my business. And that's been true for the last six, six years. Every phase of discomfort, of pain, of difficulty has always been um, met with a new phase of growth, of joy, of abundance, right? It's like, what's that saying? It's always darkest before the dawn. Yes, um,
0: yes. That's yes. been
1: true for me, for sure.
0: I so appreciate your honesty in describing the work as never ending. Because I think uh, our our personal development journeys, our spiritual journeys, they are never ending. And there is always, as you say, um, new kind of resistances and, and challenges and new shadow sides of ourselves that are being presented. And, and they offer these opportunities to, to grow and to, to like you say, usher in the dawn. Um, yes. I would love though, because if, if there's anyone listening who maybe is feeling like a call to be diving in and starting to do more internal work around mindset, around understanding their own, uh, shadows, do you have even just like, three tips for how to start that kind of um, practice or that kind of journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Shadow work is my jam. It's a big part of the work that I do, like, you know, both like the personal work that I do every day, but also even in my professional work, it's embedded in my, you know, yoga classes and my programs and all that kind of stuff. So I would say the method that works the best for me is to combine Affirmations with the journaling. So most people are very familiar with affirmations, right? They're positive statements that you state uh, in the present tense, like "I am beautiful exactly as I am" or "I love every cell of my body." or I am a magnet for miracles. Abundance flows through me. Those are all beautiful, positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, we're taught that affirmations are just something that you repeat to yourself to kind of boost your mood and make you feel good. And often that's what it's going to do, right? You might listen to a beautiful affirmation meditation, and maybe it's going to motivate you. It's going to make you feel really good. But Usually something else happens, and this is where we really get to work with our shadow and really uncover those negative beliefs that are holding us back from taking the action that we want to be taking. Sometimes you'll hear an affirmation and you're not gonna feel good. Sometimes you're going to hear an affirmation and it's gonna cause some internal resistance within you. Maybe you'll notice that your body tenses up maybe you roll your eyes and you go like, yeah, right. Maybe you get really angry when you hear that affirmation because you don't believe this to be true. You think it's actually insulting to even say that. So a great example of this, um, I had an affirmation in one of my yoga classes on YouTube that was very triggering for people. And it, highlighted a a, a shadow for a lot. I mean, it's a shadow that I've had to heal. I think the affirmation was, I am a money magnet, something like that. People were very upset about this one. Some people loved it. For some people, it made them feel great. Yes, I I want to attract more abundance into my life. Wonderful. And for others, it was very, very, very triggering and very um, uncomfortable to hear that statement. So what I always recommend to people is release the judgment, let yourself have whatever reaction you have to the affirmation, but now grab pen and paper. And when you uncover an affirmation that does not make you feel good, usually it means it's because you don't believe this to be true about yourself. So if I say, I love my body exactly the way it is, And when you repeat that affirmation internally, you kind of feel yourself tense up and you roll your eyes, you're uncomfortable, your mind, you know, you have an internal dialogue that's saying, well, you know, maybe 10 pounds, you know, if I lose 10 pounds, maybe I'll love my body. Or yeah, I loved it five years ago, but not right now. Or, oh, so easy for her to say that, you know, she's young and thin and blah, blah, blah. Like whatever the internal dialogue is, that's a good opportunity for you to journal and to really get To the shadow, really get to the belief that you're holding on to that you might not be even aware that you're holding on to it. So, when you hear the affirmation, you want to ask yourself Is this true for me? Yes or no? Why or why not? When have I felt like this before? Who in my life reinforces this for me, reinforces this belief? that my body is not perfect the way that it is where does this belief come from sometimes when we start to really dive deep you might even notice that it's a specific person in your head who's talking to you your mother your grandfather your neighbor whatever it may be affirmations have traditionally been used in a way to make us feel good And they can definitely be a tool for this, but we need to be careful not to use them as a form of spiritual bypassing. Yes. Affirmations are a tool for shadow work. They are a tool for personal growth. They are going to highlight the areas that you are already strong in, the things that you already believe to be true for yourself, you know i love every cell of my body i feel good when i think that you most likely don't have any wounds around that you know you're good to go like keep keep saying that affirmation to pump yourself up whenever you need to but if it's bringing up some resistance if it's hard to listen to that's a really good starting off point for you to say huh why am i not comfortable saying that about myself would i be comfortable saying it about someone else do i believe this to be true for others you know why am I not worthy of this being true for myself? And that's when the the deep internal transformation can really start to take place. So for me, affirmations, are that's my number one tool for shadow work. I have lots of affirmation meditations and rather than, you know, I create my own on my phone, like I'm that girl that just like records affirmation and (laughs) listens to them um, when I go for a walk, but I'm not using them strictly as a way to make myself feel better. I'm using it as a way to say, okay, what am I not acknowledging here? What are my blind spots? What are my wounds? What are the things that I project onto other people? Where is my shadow? What is my unacknowledged, unresolved trauma?
0: I really love that. And I, I've i actually, I've done one of your, your online classes on YouTube, one of your yin and affirmation classes. Oh, yes. And I really loved the the that kind of combining together because i mean yin is such a beautiful opportunity to really bring our awareness into our embodied experience and to notice what's happening somatically and and yes. like pairing that with affirmations and noticing where those affirmations are in our bodies. It it actually inspired me to um to to bring in affirmations sometimes when I'm teaching as a way to kind of see oh, for great. people how that is landing. And um so I would definitely recommend too that go check out Cassandra's yoga classes also as a place to kind of um to to kind of have that exp- what I think is really cool about that too is is in in that yin capacity that there's an opportunity to to kind of feel the affirmation while we're holding space in our bodies and and in yeah. that container of a held space which I think is is such a beautiful offering that that you've you've developed and so I, I think I can't recommend it enough.
1: Thank you. Like honestly, I think that's probably what I'm most proud of. It's something that I'm the most passionate about and I'm really glad that I was able to bring it out there because this is something that I was doing personally at home for years. And I didn't know if it was going to land with other people the way that it lands with me, but I've been able to kind of create this movement now. And now other teachers are starting to offer yin yoga and affirmations. And I'm just like, I'm just so proud that it's resonated with people, that it's working for other people besides myself. And I was really afraid to put that out there. You know, that was a big resistance for me. I was like, "Oh, is it going to feel woo-woo? Like, are people not going to... I don't know. Like, it was just... It had never been done before. Like, it wasn't online. I had not learned it from anyone else. Like, it was just something that I developed organically. And people are really resonating with it. So I'm so proud that I was able to like get over that block and just start offering it and putting it out there. And the reason I think also why it works so well with yin yoga specifically is that for a lot of people, myself included, sometimes I'm a very, um, I'm not... I have an easier time accessing my mind than I do my body. Like I very much live in my mind. I'm full of thoughts all the time, but I'm not necessarily grounded and embodied. You know, I'm very, uh, like I'm an air type, you know, air sign. So yin, I'm able to release physical tension, which then makes it easier to access any emotional tension that might be Mm -hmm. present. So I think that's why it's also a really good Pairing and a really good combination. It's for some people, it's going to be really hard to go, you know, from their minds into their bodies or from their minds into their hearts. So they need that physical release. The same way that for some people, it's going for a run or doing like a really vigorous workout so that they can get their bodies in a more relaxed state. And then it's a little bit easier to check in with themselves and say, okay, well, how do I really feel? Like, what's going on for me right now? Um, And I'm one of those people. Like, if I don't, if I don't make that time, I'll just stay in my head and, um, I'll never actually get to the literal heart of the matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I never know when, when, you know, we do an interview kind of what the themes are that will emerge. Well, sometimes I have an idea, but I really, yeah, yeah. I really love that this conversation that we've had together for me, it has really opened up just uh, a celebration, and the importance of of holding space for ourselves and creating those those moments to sit with the the discomfort rather than. Um, then then you know when you're talking about affirmations then just kind of that spiritual bypassing of just yes. like just kind of um like the good vibes only the like just think yeah. positive thoughts but like to really to 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 get to that place where we're able to feel more in alignment it does it does mean so often that we have to sit with what doesn't feel right so that we can understand and unlearn and release. And, um, this is, uh, this conversation has been, I I think really beautiful in, in that way and really inspiring. I would so love as we wrap up, uh, for you to, share a little bit about what is on the horizon for you, um, what is is on your heart as you're moving into the coming days, weeks, and months, as well as how people can stay in touch with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing, I, um, you know, doing what I do, I get dozens and dozens of emails and messages from other teachers being like I don't know where to start like I want to do what you do I want to you know teach yoga online especially now in COVID like the urgency around that has really ramped up I can quite a only bit. imagine <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and you know for a while I was doing one-on-one coaching but it's, it's just not possible for me anymore like time-wise so I was like okay you know what I'm gonna just like put this in an online course so that yoga teachers or health and wellness professionals can just like learn it themselves. So that's what I did, um, along with two other uh, marketing experts, um, branding strategists and SEO experts. So we created an online training specifically for yoga teachers who want to create an online yoga course. So if you're trying to go online, but not really sure how to go about it, I've created, the three of us have created an online program where you know we're going to cover the whole part of it so if you don't want to learn about the technical equipment we're going to cover that for you sales page email marketing social media the whole shebang it's in an online training format now so i'm really excited we just just, just launched it um so people can find it if you go to yogacassandra.com you'll find it but we also have our own website it's online biz is b-i-z so, onlineyogabiz.com.
0: Amazing. And I know that people, um, that'll be such a great resource, especially for any yoga teachers and wellness professionals listening. And, and if that doesn't apply to you, I mean, Cassandra is, is, has such a a depth of- On
1: YouTube. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Find me on YouTube. Yeah. On YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so find her on YouTube, go take her, um, her classes if you feel so called. Um, and, and I know you're really active as well on, on Instagram and, and Facebook too, I believe. Yes, yeah too many too too many too platforms, many <laughs> platforms. Um, but you can you can find it all at yoga am I right <laughs> Yes okay yes. Um, Well thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for for being here and for um, sharing in, in such an open and important conversation. I am so grateful for the work that you are doing in in this world and and can't wait to keep watching your journey unfold.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a great discussion.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. It is always such a pleasure to connect in this way. If you enjoyed this podcast episode today, one of the biggest things that you can do to support the podcast is to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm always so happy to hear from you. On Instagram, you can find me at Megan L. Johnston, Or you can find all my contact information on my website, meganjohnston.com. Keep living with heart and wonder.